0: What a wonderful question for us to ponder this morning in preparation to our sermon. Who am I? How would you answer that question this morning? In scripture we are told that we are both sinner and saint at the exact same time. A sinner in need of God's forgiveness. A saint with the words to be able to go out and share of his forgiveness with others. Who are we? Children and messengers of God. Amen. At the age of eight, I can remember uh, a story coming across the news that held the attention of most of the world for about a two and a half day period. Maybe you remember it too. It was the story of a young girl who was only 18 months old. She was playing in the backyard with some other children at her aunt's house in Midland, Texas, and she fell down a well. Her name was Baby Jessica. Do you remember this story? Baby Jessica fell down this little tiny well about 22 feet straight down and was trapped there. Imagine what that must have felt like. Uh, they had sent down a microphone so they could keep tabs on the young girl. They could hear her humming, they could hear her singing, and of course uh, crying at times. What would that be like? Be down in a dark pit like that. No one else is there. It's cold. It's filthy. It's quiet. It's an eerie feeling. People worked for 58 hours paramedics, uh, volunteers, special mining companies to be able to figure out a way to go and save baby Jessica. And finally, after 58 hours, after the whole world was watching, somebody emerged with this little baby in their, their arms. She was dirty. She was grimy. She was cold. She was really shaken up, but she was okay. Imagine what that must have felt like coming out. For the first time in 58 hours, you see light again. You have the warmth Of the sun upon your face. There's somebody there with you, embracing you. You hear the voices of others. Imagine what that would feel like to be rescued in that manner. To be with others and to be with our Lord. Today our story, all three of our texts in fact, are stories about rescue. Our Acts passage that we focus on for the beginning of today is a story of Peter being rescued from prison. And what a miraculous rescue it must have been. We are told in the text that King Herod is arresting uh, Christians, those who belong to the way. And as he arrests them, he's not only keeping them uh, captive in the prison, he's even putting some of them to death. and So he has these horrible plans for Peter. That text was a little bit longer today, and so I want to break it up into a couple different sections and review it uh, together this morning. So let's begin uh, going back and looking again at Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 6. It says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened up for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Again, this prison rescue must have been quite unbelievable. It's interesting to look at Peter's reaction as this angel is rescuing him, as he's seen these things happen in person. The text reads, he had no idea that what the angel was doing Was really happening. Had no idea. Think to yourself for a moment. All the things that Peter has seen up to this point in his life. And he doesn't believe that this is happening. It says in our text prior to this that on one occasion, Peter is out fishing. He's been working all day and all night as hard as he possibly can. And he has come up empty. There's nothing within his net. He meets Jesus on this occasion, and Jesus tells him to put the boats a little bit out from shore. And sure enough, when they bring in the nets, they are full of fish. What a miracle that must have been that day. What about the time when Peter's mother had become gravely ill, his mother-in-law? And when he didn't have any other place to turn, it's Jesus who shows up and heals this woman. What about the instance when Peter is in the boat? And Jesus calls him out. And it's Peter who walks on water with Jesus. Imagine that miracle. What about in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is being arrested? It's Peter who pulls out his sword. He cuts off the ear of the guard. But it's Jesus who touches that man's ear and who heals him. And who can forget that it's even Peter who is blessed to see the risen Christ... To be able to see his Lord in flesh and blood. So maybe it's no wonder today, as we look at this text, that in verse 7, it doesn't say that the angel gently awakes Peter and whispers in his ear. It says that the angel slaps him on the side and tells him, Come on, let's wake up. Don't you know the things that you have seen? Don't you know what is going on? Wake up and believe. Why? Because the Lord has come to rescue you. We have a very similar story as to Peter. Think of all the blessings that have been pronounced in your life. The things that God has done for you in so many different ways. Maybe there was an occasion when you had worked tirelessly all day and all night to be able to reel something in and your nets seemed like they were constantly coming up empty and then it's our Lord who shows up that he calls you and he provides something you never thought could happen before in your life. Maybe it's a time when one of your family members or a friend was gravely ill that there was nothing that could be done for them and miraculously it's our Lord who gives them this healing power of that great physician. Maybe it's a time when God called you to be able to step out of your comfort zone that our lord stands there with you in the face even of a storm reaching down and holding on to you to be able to save you from all things maybe it was a time when you drew your sword in some way or some fashion and hurt somebody else around you but it's our lord who steps in and is able to offer that grace and that healing power and that reconciliation Yet even after you and I have experienced all these things, we still doubt, we still fear many different things. That sin that you and I have fallen down into seems like it's too deep, it's too dark, it's too filthy for somebody around us to be able to offer forgiveness, maybe even for God himself to really forget and redeem me. Sin really does a number on us. Makes us feel so guilty, so shameful, and like it should at times, but at times it seeks to really imprison us. The author of Proverbs writes in chapter 5, verse 22, that the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them, that the cords of their sins hold them fast. That's what sin seeks to do to us. Jesus writes for us in John chapter 8 Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins, is a slave to sin. All of us. Slaves to sin. That's what that sinful nature wants to do to you. To be able to enslave you. Maybe it's one sin that you're struggling with over and over again. Maybe it's a series of sins. Maybe it's something in your past that just keeps getting brought up over and over again like this dark cloud hanging over your head, just raining down upon memories of reminders that are how unworthy you are in the eyes of people around you, in the eyes of our Lord. But is that really the truth? God's works of redemption and forgiveness in our lives are sometimes so unbelievable that I think we do struggle in coming to full knowledge of how amazing His plan of rescue is for us in our lives. In our Acts passage, it's Peter who finally comes to the realization that the Lord is rescuing him. Look how he responds in verse 12. It says, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said it must be his angel. Here in Arizona, we have a big, wide variety of very unique uh, wildlife. Two of those creatures that we have here are the vulture and the hummingbird. Both birds, both very different, yet unique in some ways. The vulture and the hummingbird, both which fly above the desert, but when they look down, they see something very different. The vulture is constantly looking down, looking for rotting meat, because that's part of their diet. They feed off of that which is dead but the hummingbird ignores that smelly, dead flesh, and instead it seeks the colorful, sweet blooms of desert desert plants. You see, the vulture, when it's flying over, is looking for what was, for what's in the past, for what is dead. That's what they feed off of. While the hummingbird, as it flies over, is seeking new life to strengthen themselves off that which is bright and that which is living. The point is these two animals look down upon the same world, but they find something very different. But they both find exactly what they are looking for. What are we looking for when we gaze out upon this world? Are we looking for that which is of sinful nature, that which is dead, that which is in our past? Or are we looking for that which is living, that which we push on for, that which is in our Lord? What things we look for in this world even the church in our text for today as we see them praying for Peter answer very uh, in a usual unusual manner when they hear who is at their door I mean they are praying in their house for Peter the servant comes and tells them that Peter is knocking at the door the exact thing they pray for literally knocking at their door yet they tell her she is crazy There's no way God could answer our prayer in that manner. There's no way God, we're not expecting God to do this. Yes, we are praying for him, but could God really do that? Even us as faithful Christians, sometimes maybe we doubt God, we forget about his power, we limit him to what we think his answer should be when we gaze down upon this world and see, well, maybe I should be looking for this. This is too much to expect of our Lord. But is it? especially when we get together and pray for the church, looking down upon this world and seeing the gift of life that God truly provides. In John chapter 8, we hear another unique story, a story about Jesus teaching in the temple. It says the teachers of the law are gathered around him, and that they brag in this woman and say that she has been caught in the act of adultery. Imagine her just being placed before all of us here today. They tell him, Teacher, what should we do with this woman? She was caught in the act of adultery. She should be stoned. She should be put to death. What should we do? The text says that they do this in order to test Jesus, to be able to come up with some accusations so they can use it against him later, according to be able to trap him, if you will. let look at the text of how Jesus responds. John 8, verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Pharisees in our story, when they gazed down upon that woman, They look and they see what was. They live in the past. They want to see the deadness. They want to see that woman's sin. But Jesus looks down upon this exact same woman for a very different perspective. He sees this woman in the here and the now. He even sees the brightness of life that can exist within her. The forgiveness that he and others can offer. And the grace that God has given To her and to you. A God that has come to rescue us as he looks down upon this world. Who am I? How does the Lord see you when you answer that question? In Romans chapter 6, the author writes for us, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. See, you used to be a slave to sin. It's in the past. It's gone. But something has changed. This word of God that we hear in all three of our lessons comes to rescue you and me today. God himself comes to rescue and to claim each and every one of us today. Even Jesus himself, just after this gospel text... And John chapter 8, verse 35 tells us Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free indeed. What powerful words for that woman caught in adultery. What a testament to that church that is gathered in that home, praying for Peter. What words of rescue and salvation for us, the hearer of today. It's an amazing message of rescue. We haven't forgotten about Peter. Poor guy is still knocking at the door. Verse 16, it says, But Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Everyone is astonished, our text says. Why? Because God has showed up to rescue him. We too should be astonished at this God who has showed up to be able to rescue us. It has come in such a unique way to be able to give everything to you and I. You see, in Christ we have no need to imagine what it would be like to be rescued because he does it. We experience it. In Jesus, our eyes are able to be open. The warmth of God shines down upon us. The dirt and grime of sin is washed away from our lives. And we are pulled up from that well into the brightness of his marvelous light. What a message we have today. Both of those texts conclude with a command, with a privilege for you. To be able to go, it tells us. The first one, go and leave your life of sin. The second, go and tell how the Lord has brought me out of prison. You see, this book of Acts that we've been looking at for the last several weeks and will go into the future commands and tells us as Christians that we are to be ready, that we are to be set, and finally, that we are to go. You are the church. God is our rescuer. And by his spirit, may we be strengthened to be able to go out and be in service of his glory, remembering the service that he committed And glory for you and for me. Will you pray with me please? Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for these words. And Lord, we've come to you and thank you for your interruption. That you came down and pronounced your grace upon this world in a way that we were not looking for. That you sent to us forgiveness through your one and only Son. That you even sacrificed him on the cross To be able to save us from the sin that so many times encaptures us, Lord. Allow us to be free from that, knowing that you did not only sacrifice your son, but allowed him to rise from the dead. To be able to have that strength, that power, and that glory that we are able to bask in today. Allow us to have just a small piece of that resurrection power as we go forth here forward as disciples of you with that mission of leading people to follow Jesus. Lord, may we answer your calling to be able to go. Who are we? We are your disciples. We are your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.